0: You're listening to Crossroads International Church podcast. Welcome. We hope this podcast will bless you from wherever you're listening to it. For more information, go to our website at xrds.nl. Now let's get into the podcast. Well, good morning. Now Johan said that uh, I've been away so long. I need to reintroduce myself. So. Uh, for those of you who do not know who I am, I am Paul, and together with johan i 'm um, your pastor so and it is so good to be with you. I will in the coming weeks, I will share with you uh, where i 've been and what i 've done in more detail i 'll give you uh, a little bit uh, as the service goes on. but firstly, I uh, decided to i 've just come out of the wilderness and i 'll explain that to you just now and and I've decided to, uh, at least till today, keep the, uh, what I think is pastoral looking. Um, uh, John, the baptizer in the wilderness beard. Uh, my children would beg to differ, and they say, Dad, you look exceedingly old, get rid of it. So, I'll be shaving it today. Oh. Um, uh, Listen, I'd like my wife to kiss me again sometimes, so I'm just, I'm just saying, right? Friends, we, we are all working on our story. Now, we haven't got all the details always figured out, but we've, we've got a good idea of what the storyline should be. We've got the plot pretty much figured out, and it always includes good health, enough money true love, and well, of course, early retirement. (laughs) But just when we think we've got it figured out, just when we're ready to send our story off to the publisher, God comes and exercises editorial authority. Just ask Saul, on the road to Damascus. God comes and he, he adds a character through an unexpected pregnancy. Don't worry, I'm not talking about Catherine and myself. But. Or God comes and he, he takes away a character through a tragedy or divorce or the story comes and it, and it twists again when I suddenly lose my job. Or my health goes out the window. The plot changes again when I find myself on an airplane leaving my home country, immigrating to a new country, and I have to start all over again. The question becomes, what do we do when God edits your story? You see, because the thing is, when God edits our story, it usually... The edits that take place is usually not in line with my vision for how the storyline should go. You see, and because that's true, when God edits our story, we sometimes feel in these moments of God's editing room, we sometimes feel like we have been abandoned by God. God no longer loves us, and we say things like, God, where are you? How, how can this be going on in my life? How can this be happening? Why do I have no friends at school? Why why is it, has my career not turned out the way it's? And so we feel at times when our story is being edited in a way that we, we feel like we are living in the wilderness. We feel like we are abandoned and isolated and like we are going through a wilderness experience and so today we're starting a new series which I'm calling worship in the wilderness see the bible actually has a lot to say about wilderness Uh, surprisingly the bible talks about wilderness a lot Now, we understand that when the Bible speaks about it, it often speaks about it as a physical geographical place, for example, the Judean wilderness. But when the Bible speaks about wilderness, it also is a metaphor for those difficult and painful things we go through in life. Interesting side note, we try and do everything in our power to avoid wilderness, And then we have Jesus that seems to, when we read, intentionally and deliberately goes and seeks out wilderness. And then in a disturbing twist, Mark 6.31, he invites us to join him. But what do you do when God edits your story and you feel like you are living in a wilderness? Do you respond with faith? Or fear and frustration, or how about this, worse, even a frustrated faith? (laughs) How do you respond when God edits your story? Do you respond with anger or trust? Do you run, turn away from God or run to God? Do you worship or do you wallow? Do you worship His majesty or do you wallow in your misery? I believe, to help us worship in our wilderness. To help us to choose faith and not fear, trust and not anger. God gives us other stories. He gives us the Bible. The Bible is filled with stories of people who have gone through wilderness as we are perhaps right now. To help us to understand, to help us make sense of our wilderness, to help us make sense of our struggle, of our pain, of our misery, to help us understand how we are to worship in the wilderness, why we are to worship in the wilderness, how we are to respond. And so you might be hearing, say, uh, maybe you are struggling with guilt. God gives us the story and he says, well, hello, meet Peter, the disciple who denied knowing Jesus. You might be facing an impossible situation and God gives us a story and said, hey, can I introduce you to a young man named David? You might sit here and you feel like you've used up all your second chances. Well then, hi, here's the story of the lady caught in the act of adultery. And so God gives us these stories to help us. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at some stories in the Bible of people who lived and experienced wilderness to help us make sense of our story. But the one thing you will come to discover is that in all these stories of wilderness, and we're going to look at some of them, God always comes with a message as he comes to you and me. As he comes to you today with a message, will you put your trust in me because I am the author and finisher and perfecter of your story. Hebrews 12. Put your trust in me for I am the author and finisher of your story. So we start a new series today, Worship in the Wilderness. We're supposed to look at Joseph today. We'll see how we go on for time, Uh, but we're supposed to look at Joseph today. We'll have a little look at uh, Israel's son, Joseph, Uh, not too much detail um, as we start this new series, but I want to say this to you, that if you are ready, if you are willing, I believe that God wants to speak to you powerfully. And I invite you to invite God into the midst of your wilderness. So, And to help us, what I've done is, and, and please just forgive me because I understand that I was in the wilderness and I'll explain that to you now. Um, I, I, Instead of writing daily devotions for this sermon series, I made a series of little videos, two, three, four minute videos. The first one will be up on our website, on our app tomorrow, and they will serve for us as daily devotions to help us through this series. Uh, Two, three minutes long, so not too long. Uh, I only had my cell phone, so please forgive me. And just just so that you understand, um, I charged my cell phone with a solar panel. You'll understand why when you know where I was, and I'll explain to you where I was. Uh, There's no cell phone or Wi-Fi reception at all, but I hope you appreciate the fact that in order to get these two Beth. To put these videos together for you, I had to go and hike and climb a mountain, and if I stood right on top of this mountain, and I faced the exact right direction, and the wind blew in the right direction, it would take about 45 minutes to upload a two-minute video. So that I could get them to bed for these devotions. And eventually my phone just didn't like being charged by a solar panel anymore. So uh, it was supposed to be four weeks worth of videos. You've only got three weeks. I'm sorry for that. But hopefully they will uh, be meaningful for you as you work with God through this series of worship in the wilderness. In the series we will meet many characters who face difficult, disappointing and disorienting situations And I pray that there will be a guide for us as we see their stories that will help us make sense of our story. So before we get to Joseph, just a few thoughts. I thought, let me throw them out there for you now on wilderness. Having just stepped out of the wilderness two days ago. Let me share a few thoughts on wilderness, and we get them on the table, and my hope is you will then use them uh, and apply them to Joseph's story and all the other stories. So let's get them out in the open. First of all, wilderness. How do we understand wilderness? So wilderness, yes, we know, as I've said, was a geographical, a physical place, but it also, in biblical terms, is a metaphor for when we go through difficult times in life. The Greek word for wilderness is the word eremia or eremos. And it means to be in an isolated place. Sometimes in life, when our story takes an unexpected turn, it often leaves us feeling like we are in an isolated place. I think wilderness is God's editing room. A side note. You know, sometimes wilderness comes into our lives uninvited, unexpected circumstances beyond our control. But we also see in the life of Jesus, and we'll speak more about this, where Jesus actually deliberately goes and he seeks out wilderness and invites us to join him there. And that's what I did the last month. Um, I uh, lived uh, in a tent um, under a tree. That was my tent, and right now most of you are thinking this guy has definitely lost it. Uh, next to a dry riverbed in Botswana, um, I lived in a. I slept on the ground for <laughs> for a month. I um, lived in an unfenced wildlife wilderness. I lived with lions. This track was outside my tent a couple of days before uh, last week. This time, that's a lion track in case you're wondering what that is. Uh, so by the way, so I went to intentionally seek out wilderness for two reasons. Number one, just for fun, to go and train as a, uh, a field ranger. So that was the one thing, uh, just for fun. I'm not changing jobs. Don't worry about it. Um, but also to withdraw from in order to draw near to God. I wanted to take time to seek God's face, to pray for me and my family and for you, my church, to spend time fasting and praying and seeking God's face. And so I saw this uh, lion track outside my tent and decided to, in my great wisdom, uh, with a friend to see if we can actually track this lion on foot. And so for about four or five kilometers, two to three hours tracking this lion, turns out to be two lions, on foot and found this uh, beauty. I call him pretty boy. Um, I went back, just that was not taken with my phone before you ask me, right? Uh, found him, uh, just not many meters away, but went back the next day, found him again with a proper camera to take that photo with a proper camera. Um, So I lived with lions, I lived with hyenas, I lived with snakes and scorpions. This one was inside my tent on top of my sleeping bag, decided we're not gonna be friends, and uh, asked him politely to please leave uh, my and vacate my tent. And so I put him outside. The wilderness can be a dangerous and scary place to be. But I will tell you one thing. The wilderness will always, always, always present you with an opportunity to rediscover self and your creator. When we learn to worship in the wilderness and not wallow in the wilderness. Wilderness. I think wilderness is those moments in life where God says, stop. You see, because the world is pulling in one direction with great might and great force, and we go along with it, and it really is about self. And there comes moments in life where God says, it's time to stop because I want you to pull in a different direction. I want to show you as you are, are pulled along and you sucked into this vortex of the kingdoms of this world, I want you to stop. And so God brings wilderness in our lives because I want to remind you about my kingdom. I want to remind you that in my kingdom, things work differently. In my kingdom, blessed are those who mourn. In my kingdom, blessed are the poor. In my kingdom, those who are first will be last. In my kingdom, true greatness is found in servanthood. So those moments where God says, stop, I want you to. And here's, I believe, part of the reason for why wilderness comes into our lives. And I think we find it in the story of Saul, Paul. On the road to Damascus. You remember Acts 9 verse 17. I think the verse is going to be up there for you. So Saul encounters God. In a powerful way. And he ends up in Damascus. And God sends Ananias to him. And Ananias comes to Paul with these words. And I think this is at the heart of why wilderness in our lives sometimes. When God says stop. Ananias comes to uh, Paul, Saul. And he says, God has sent me to you. So that you might see again. And Be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes wilderness comes into our lives so that we might see again. Who you are. Who you were created to be. Your reason for being alive. And as you see again. To be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. To live in this life that pulls in a different direction from the kingdoms of this world cannot be done without the power of the Holy Spirit so that we might see again and be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. That's my prayer for you. That was my prayer going into this. God, help me just to see again. Help me. Remind me of my call and, and why I do what I do. Help me to see again. I pray for you that God will help you see again and fill you with the power of His Holy Spirit. I think part of the why of wilderness in our lives, and then the consequence, the fruit, the result of wilderness in our lives is a beautiful thing. I think it's found in the words of Jesus on the cross. Matthew's Gospel, what's it, 27 somewhere there? I think we've got it on... Do we have it for you? The words of Jesus on the cross, Matthew 27, verse 46, where he says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In trying to understand what does wilderness give to us and bring to us. That word that Jesus uses there on my God, my God, why have you abandoned me, has got a very close connection to the word Eremia, Eremos, being in an isolated place, an abandoned place, a lonely place. And I find it immensely interesting that Jesus chooses to use those words on the cross. You see, because those words is Jesus quoting Psalm 22, this great lament of the people of Israel in Psalm 22, where essentially they're crying out, God, we're in the wilderness. Why have you abandoned us? Why are we isolated? Why do you not love us anymore? God, where are you? And Jesus takes that great lament of the people of Israel and he quotes their lament on the cross and it's as if Jesus takes their wilderness, their lament upon him on the cross. And so Jesus on the cross deals with our wilderness. I want you to hear that today. Jesus has dealt with your wilderness on the cross. And so this thing that was meant to, or this thing that so often has meant death, Jesus has won a great victory. And now wilderness becomes no longer a place of death, but it is now a place of life because Jesus has dealt with your wilderness on the cross. Did you get that? Jesus has dealt with your wilderness on the cross. And the thing that was meant to harm and hurt now is the very thing that ends up saving your life. Wilderness. In the hands of Jesus will save your life. Okay, Um, let's get to Joseph. (laughs) Are you still with me? I've got uh, three more minutes. Right, okay, so uh, Joseph's story is found in Genesis chapter 37, 38, 39. Go and read it. I'm going to whiz through this now. Go and read it. It's a beautiful story. We meet this young man, he's about 17 years of age, and just like he is proud, he is arrogant, he is rude. No one likes him, not really a nice young man. And we meet him. Verses 3 and 4, Genesis 37. Now Israel, his dad, Jacob, loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age. And he made a richly ornamented robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. You see, partly what was going on here, Joseph was arrogant, he was rude, he was proud, and he was having these dreams, and it involved his brothers bowing down to him, just approach pro-tip quickly, if you have dreams like that, don't tell anybody. <laughs> so they didn't like him very much. And, and let's just remind ourselves, Joseph really came from a rather dysfunctional family, a family that will take a therapist many years to unravel this mess. I mean, let's remind ourselves, his father loved one woman, was tricked into marrying another, then couldn't have kids, and then, and then uh, but the wives gave their maid servants and had kids. So we've got four women sharing one man, eventually all having kids, constantly fighting about whose kids should be the number one and the favorite. And you thought your family was a mess. One day, the brothers go out to graze the livestock, and the father sends Joseph out. He's saying, listen, just go and check and see how things are going. And then we read this verse in verse 19. The brothers say, here comes that dreamer. They said to each other, come now, let's kill him. It's a bit extreme, but anyway. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. Okay, so as we read the story, there comes this moment where the brothers for a brief moment discuss. Listen, we understand that he was annoying, but that is a bit extreme. So they discuss this and let's just get rid of him. Eventually they decide, okay, we're not going to kill him. Let's rather just sell him. And so they throw him in a pit and they sell him for 20 pieces of silver. And anyway, And so begins Joseph's wilderness. From the favorite number one child in the house... To a slave in a foreign land, and he ends up in Egypt and he ends up in Potiphar's house. The one lesson we learned from Joseph very quickly, as I run through this quickly, the lesson we learned from Joseph is that he chose to trust. words of God, because as you read his story, 37, 38, 39, you will come across this this phrase the whole time, and God was with him, and God was with him, and God was with him. And Joseph, we very quickly see, made the decision to trust those words that God was with him, and we discover that true trust always translates into how I act next, in what I do next. If I really trust God, it will show itself in what I do next. And so one of the lessons we learn from Joseph is always, no matter how tough the wilderness is, always do the next right thing. One of the keys of living in the wilderness, always do the next right thing. And that's what Joseph did. We see this young man doing the next right thing. Eventually, he became the head of Potiphar's household. And things were looking up. And he made the best of a bad situation. And he remained faithful and he loved God and he worshipped in the wilderness. And so now God thinks, should be going well. I'm being faithful and I'm doing the right thing. But then there's another edit on the horizon. The plot thickens. Chapter 39, verse 6 to 8. Now Joseph was a well-built and handsome young man. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, Come to bed with me. But he refused. He did the next right thing. He refused. And anyway, you know how the story goes. Eventually, she essentially accused him of raping her, and he ends up in prison. Oh, my goodness. So now he goes from slave in a foreign land to, way worse, prisoner in a foreign land. And it's about now where I begin to pray, God, where are you? Why have you forsaken me? Why have you abandoned me? Why do you not love me? Where are you? But we see not with Joseph. You see, Joseph, we see in the season of wilderness, always chose to do the next right thing. But he also made the decision, say, God, I want you to use this season of my life to shape me and mold me. And so we see wilderness becomes for us by the grace of God, when we choose to worship and not wallow in the wilderness, the place where God works some stuff out of us in order to work some stuff into us so that he can work through us. And so where he started as arrogant and rude and proud, he became humble and patient and loving and kind. God worked some stuff out of him to work stuff into him so that God can work through him. And we see Joseph allowing God to shape him and work on him and form him in the wilderness. I want to say to you, my friends, will you allow God to use your wilderness to shape you, to change you, to mold you into his image and into his likeness? The wilderness is a difficult place, but it can become the place that saves your life. Don't waste Your wilderness. So I say that again. Don't waste your wilderness. Invite God to shape you, to mold you. And he continues to do the next right thing. Okay, I need to stop now. Let me stop by saying this to you. The thing that we discover also with Joseph's story and his wilderness experience is that in Jesus, When we worship and not wallow, okay, a little bit of wallowing is okay. Sometimes we need to wallow a bit. But the percentage needs to be in favor of worship. (laughs) When we worship in the wilderness, you will see that your story will never end with wilderness. It will always end with resolution and redemption. You see, because now he's in prison and he's interpreting dreams and people making promises and breaking promises, but he does the next right thing. And eventually Pharaoh has a dream and only Joseph can interpret it. And so the story finds resolution. His wilderness finds resolution as he, in the end of the story, finds himself second in command of the country. And it ends in redemption for his people as he's able to provide for them during this drought and give them food. When we surrender our wilderness to God, your story will end with resolution and redemption. Because that's what Jesus did for us on the cross. He dealt with our wilderness. He took our wilderness upon him. And in its place, He gave us life. I've got a great story about elephants, but we'll do that next week. Okay. Amen, the end. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. (laughs) Let us pray as we get ready to close our service and as we get ready to worship God together one more time. Heavenly Father. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for wilderness. Thank you for this precious and beautiful church. Lord, again this morning, as I've been away for a while, I stand here and I look upon all the faces here. From one end of the building, I, I right through to the other. Lord, be some seated here today are in the wilderness. Maybe others who are not in the wilderness maybe need to seek out wilderness. (laughs) Why? I pray, Lord, so that we might see again and be filled with the power of your Holy Spirit. See what? Well, Lord, To see again that we were created to love you, to worship you, to love my neighbor as myself. Lord, today I thank you for every person here. Will you give us the gift of wilderness? Lord, because wilderness brings with it a simplicity of life. And simplicity brings with it this wonderful gift of helping us to rearrange our priorities. Simplicity helps us to see what's important and what's not. Help us, each and every one of us, to see again who you are and who we are called to be. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening and we hope that you have a wonderful week. See you next time.